Hello everyone, welcome back to Unraveling Impulse. My name is Nisa and I hope you're all doing well. I hope you are healthy, safe, that you have everything you need and um, that you're you're sane and coping and managing and, and living and finding moments to enjoy because that feels hard to do these days. Um, but anyway, let's jump in. Um, so this is part two to navigating race and racism. Um, in my part one, which you can go back to listen to if you haven't done so already, uh, part one, I kind of just kind of started off talking about um, how I sort of navigated educational spaces as a student um so mostly high school and university um and how I sort of in my own way um used school as a way to um push back I guess on what felt like well it wasn't it didn't feel like it was the erasure of black experiences and black people and our contributions and our writings and all the things um education in Canada um as far as I've experienced is very white centered and um told through a very white lens um but I always felt very underrepresented and I didn't understand why everything that we read, text, whether it be textbooks or literature, was only ever told through one perspective. Um, and so I would take any opportunity I had to bring a different perspective um, to the classroom and um that was often through like projects um and yeah anyway go back to part one uh where you can hear all about that uh this in part two I think I'm I'm gonna focus a little bit more on my lived like day-to-day experiences um these episodes might be a little messy <laughs> um, because I'm just sort of, I'm just talking. I mean, I think that's all my episodes, but yeah, just go with the current, you know, uh, t- take a ride <laughs> on the messy side of my brain. Um, so yeah, I'm just, I'm just, I'm going to talk. So um, hopefully it comes together and uh, makes sense. <laughs> um, so yeah, you know, aside from academic studies, you know, just the the lived everyday experience as a black woman has been um, an interesting journey, to say the least. Um, I would say that to start off, I'll, I'll just provide a couple of, of instances of racism that I experienced. Um, and I'm only doing this because I think it just gives people context. I think sometimes, especially, you know, growing up in Canada, and this was also a big part of 
my issue with being black here and talking about racism is that you're gaslit so much. Um, (laughs) Like you are, honestly, it's difficult as it has always been difficult for me as a black person, not so much as an, as um, an adult, but partially as an adult, but I've gotten a lot more comfortable talking about race and racism over the years, but especially as a a teenager and um, a younger kid, I often didn't feel safe to voice experiences I had around racism because they were so, they were dismissed. You know, it's like, oh, well, we don't live in the U.S. It's not that bad. Oh, that's not racism. That's blah, 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 blah. Well, maybe she didn't mean to be this way. Maybe she was this. And it's just like your experiences could were just never validated or affirmed or and it just made you feel crazy it made you feel like you were being overly sensitive it made you feel like you were imagining things and for a long time it stopped me from really expressing myself um in terms of what I was going what I had gone through or what I was going through like a lot of experiences I had with racism I never even told my parents about like um, they don't know half the things that have been said to me or that I've gone through because I just learned to pack it away, um, and not talk about it because it's like, it was, it's not important, you know? Um, and, uh, yeah, it took me a long time to sort of understand that it is important and, you you were not crazy (laughs) and you know all the things and I think um especially as someone who was born and raised in Canada and you know speaking on behalf well I don't want to speak on behalf of anyone but I do think that there are a lot of other black Canadian people who have felt similarly to me I know there's many who don't think that they or who haven't experienced that, but I know that there are a lot who have had to pack away and had to, like, essentially sit on um, so many racist experiences and um, have been gaslit to the point where you just think that your, your feelings are not real. Like, you just think is it me? (laughs) And you don't, um, really, you, I, again, I didn't come to terms with any of that until I was, you know, well into adulthood, into my twenties, um, you know, and so, yeah, just, just keep that in mind. And so I think I'm sharing this to, to kind of give people an idea of like, these are some of the actual experiences, you know, So, um, and also I want my daughter, again, I want my daughter to be able to listen to this one day and, and know this, some of the things, you know, that I experienced, experienced and that she might experience and that, you know, it's not in her head. Um, so yeah, the first, the first experience with racism I had, I think I was like maybe five years old and this... I was only in kindergarten and this 
white girl. She was like older than me. She must have been, I don't know. She must have been like at least nine or 10. She was big. And, um, she used to bully me on the bus (laughs) all the time. And luckily I have a sister who is, my sister is like 10 years older than me. So it's almost like having another parent in a way, but she used to like pick us up, um, from the bus stop. And, um, yeah, like this girl relentlessly bullied me for a very long time. And eventually my sister, like got involved. (laughs) Let's just say that. And, um, the girl's mom came to our door or like, cause I guess she lived in the neighborhood. I have like, I don't have, remember all the specific details, but I just remember the mom coming to our door, uh, one day and like saying all these things to my sister who, even though my sister's 10 years older than me, she's still a kid too. And, um, yeah, the mom also just being, racist. And so that was my first like experience. I was five. Um, then I remember the other one that sticks out was, um, I was, I think in grade five. So I would have been what, like nine or 10. And, um, it was the first time somebody used the N word, um, at like hurled the N word. It was at school. This white girl again, (laughs) um, called me the N word don't remember what it was over, have no clue. Um, I was a kid, so I don't remember ins and outs, but I do remember that. I do remember that that was said to me and I didn't even really know what the N word was. Um, uh, but I knew it was not good. Um, and then, um, I remember in grade three, this is a less overt, um, this is more like microaggression and just, I don't even know how to describe it. But in grade three, I remember my teacher, um, we were reading a book and one of the characters happened to be black and my, it was myself and this other boy in the class. We were the only two black people in the class and he turns to us and is like, would you like to share something about your some I don't know it was something to do with like being black or something out of the blue like two kids what were we eight at the time nine I don't know how old you are in grade three but you're children and this stupid teacher (laughs) I'm sorry but turns to the only two black kids in the class and singles us out to talk about something that we don't have any experience really talking about it was just so embarrassing and that was like probably my first experience with like kind of like a weird micro I don't even know if you you would um you would call it a microaggression but it was just like the weird ways in which white people operate in talking about race um and making two black kids feel even more like a target was just not the way to go go about it. Like, it was terrible. So there was that. Um, gosh, what else is there? There's uh, the time my mom and I were called the N-word in one, like we were living in an apartment at the time and we walked into the elevator of the apartment and these two white people were there and 
the, oh, I guess one of them had held the elevator door open for us. And when we walked in, we said, thank you. And I guess they didn't hear that. So the guy turns to my mom and goes, um, you're welcome. And my mom was like, I said, thank you. And he goes, no, you didn't. And then my mom was like, yeah, I did. Maybe you didn't hear. And then he, and then he, and then he says typical N words. Yeah. So there was that. Um, <laughs> there were incidents where, you know, when I was in grade, oh, yeah, there was an incident in grade five. Was I in grade five? I think this was grade five again. A friend had, in, had invited me to a birthday, her birthday party, and I went over to her house to celebrate her birthday party, and she had a friend there who called me the N-word and said she didn't like black people. I was the only black girl at the party, by the way. And the the um, the girl whose party it was, her mom, like, basically had to, like, tell the friend <laughs> that that wasn't okay, which was extremely embarrassing for me because literally all the other kids were looking at me like I was an alien. Um, because this idiot girl decided to yell that she, that I was an N-word and that she didn't like black people. So there was that. Um, there were two friends I had, um, again, this was like, I think grade four. I don't know, a lot of stuff happened in the grade four and five (laughs) years. Um, I went to two people's house to like this is again not an indictment of like all of my friends like I had friends who were really wonderful and whose parents were wonderful but sometimes you could have wonderful friends but the parents were racist um and I had two people who I was like friends with one of them invited me for a sleepover this was like in grade four white girl and um her mom did everything she could to exclude me from like any of the activities, any of the fun that was taking place. Um, She would like compliment all the other girls at the party. Again, I was the only black girl. Um, All the other girls at the party and not me. And like it was to the point where my friend, her daughter, like would kind of step up and be like, oh, but Nisa's like, you know, and like she could tell she felt embarrassed um, and would like, tried to do her best to include me but her mom was you know and again I was only what are you in grade four nine eight I don't know but at the time I wouldn't have known how to like I just knew that she didn't like me because of the color of my skin I couldn't verbalize that um because I was little and but I knew that it was the color of my skin and um yeah uh there were definitely incidents where sometimes the parents were racist. Like your friend may not have been, but your the parents were, and they would do or say things that were not necessarily overt, but you just know. Like when you're a person of color or a black person, you just know certain things, um, and you know that it's because of the color of your skin. Um, yeah, so there was that. Um, as I got older... There was, um, 
God, when I went to university, uh, Lord, <laughs> like there's too many, but, um, okay. So I remember, um, when I went to university, uh, my first year, so in the first like week or two, you know, like you're signing up to your, your frosh, what they call frosh, which is first year. And um, you're signing up to clubs, you know, they have like that week where you can sign up to all these clubs and whatever. And so uh, I had signed up to the club called the African Canadian Students Association. Um, And obviously, it's majority black. I mean, obviously, not everybody from Africa and the Caribbean is black. So we did have others who were other people of color, too. But you know, for the most part, it it's it's a club that uh would be represented by majority black people and it's like one of the few clubs at the time i don't know what 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 the university is like now but at the time it was one of the few clubs where as a black person you could go to see other people who look like you um so it was very important that we had that space and that club and it was fun like we did cultural events all kinds of things um And anyway, I joined the club. And so in the very, the first few weeks of my first year at university, I was uh, roommates with, I had two other roommates in in, um, residence. And they were both white, of course. And they were both from small towns. And I honestly, you know, growing up in Mississauga, Mississauga is very diverse. Um... (laughs) And so even though, uh, you know, like you're still, even though in Mississauga, especially at the time, like I think it's even more diverse now, but at the time, even though you're still, it's still like, there's just like a culture of whiteness that still exists. You're still exposed to people of different cultures and races, et cetera, et cetera, right? Um, Whereas like these people, some of these people were coming from like very small towns. They had never even, some of them never seen a black person before really interacted with them. So like me getting, (laughs) getting to be roommates with these two girl, two young women who were really not exposed to black people was just interesting Um, So anyway, I joined the club and I remember like later that day I met up with uh, with the two of them and we were kind of talking about like, oh, well, what clubs did you join, blah, blah, blah. And so I was like, oh, I joined the African Caribbean Students Association and she kind of looks at me and she's like, well, what if I were to join a white club? Like, wouldn't that be racist? And I was like, first of all, the club isn't exclusively black. Like, it's it's a club for people who are of those regions, and those regions are actually quite diverse. Secondly, I'm like, this entire school is white, sis. <laughs> like, you don't need to join a club to see people who look like you. Like, you in you you the world is your club quite frankly, or whatever. I didn't say that, but in my head, you know, thinking it. But I just um, diplomatically said that, like, uh, you know, you any, any club that you join, you will see people who look like you. So, um, yeah, 
I don't know what the, your issue is. Uh, <laughs> and she was like, yeah, that's true or whatever. But like, you know, again, those types of like microaggressions. I met another girl who, again, this was in my first year. Um, another girl who was like made fun of my hair texture. Like she was like, you have such weird hair, hair, like just strangeness again, not super exposed to black people. So like, I would just get really strange comments. <laughs> um, another guy actually, he did, I can't remember. We went to dinner. So this was again in first year and we went to dinner with like a bunch of people on our residence floor, like all my floor mates. We went to a restaurant to kind of like, you know, it's just like fun social things. And, um, uh, this white guy was sitting across from me and I don't remember what was said, but I kind of counteracted what he said. Like, I guess I was arguing back or whatever. And he starts to do this whole like, oh no, here she comes. And he starts like swiveling his neck and snapping his fingers, like doing the whole black girl attitude kind of thing. And like, everybody is just like quiet and looking at him. (laughs) And I was just like, wow, um, super uncomfortable and awkward, but things like that, like things like that happened all the time. Um, I remember, uh, in, oh, I couldn't even graduate without a microaggression or racism. I remember in my last, I was graduating literally the day of graduation from university, from undergrad. And, um, these two white people, (laughs) We're standing in front of me, like two students. You know how like they line you up by alphabetical order, whatever. Um, So I don't know who these people are. They're standing in front of me and they're having all this conversation about taking vacation. And the guy goes, oh, yeah, I went to such and such island and I got so black. And then they look at me and the guy was like his face turned beet red and he started apologizing profusely. (laughs) like the fuck anyway I was just like I don't have to like I I just want to I just want to graduate like I just I can't but those are some of the weird oh also uh aside from like weird white people like making comments about just there were other things like I was actually I didn't remember this but um I remember uh I was telling my mom this the other day like my housemates and I so I actually, despite going to a predominantly white school, (laughs) I lived with all black girls, which thank God, the universe was really like, sis, I got you. Because I don't know what the heck would have happened to me (laughs) otherwise. But those, my housemates were like my saving grace in so many ways in dealing with the nonsense. Um of attending a predominantly white institution because, uh, but anyways, I remember we were moving and I don't know if they remember this. I don't know if uh, they'll listen to this and remember that we were, uh, hunting for another place to live. We were leaving where we were and we were like, we let, you know, we're living off campus. And so, we were moving in the process of moving and looking for places. Right. And you could just rent, Um, you know, you would just rent places or apartments or whatever in that are close to campus. And one of the places actually turned us down, uh, because we were black. 
of course, they didn't come out and say it, but you just know, like literally the next week, I'm pretty, I, I want to say that we heard that the place, like he was like, oh, it's not available as soon as he saw us go in there. And then like the next place, next thing we know, the place is rented to like a group of like white people, white girls or something like that. So like things like that, where you would get um, discriminated against um, in terms of like, even like renting places near campus. Um I'm pretty sure that one of the places that we rented, the landlord was afraid of us because it was like four black girls. <laughs> like she was so, I don't know if they remember this or can like whatever, but I just remember the landlord, she was, she wasn't mean or anything, but she just seemed afraid. Like, and it wasn't really until maybe a year in that we were living there. Cause I lived there for, I think I was there for two years. It wasn't really until a year in that she like really started to feel comfortable and like, girl, we aren't, we're not going to hurt you. <laughs> it's okay. But stuff like that. Um, and the other thing I should mention is that, you know, where I went to university, it was also a small town. So it's just, just white all around. And you might be like, well, why did you go to, why did you go to like a university where you know it's going to be a bunch of white people <laughs> or whatever? But like, I like the school and it's kind of like, at the end of the day, how many places in Can in all of Canada are that diverse? You know what I mean? It's like, so what? Was I supposed to stay home and go to York or go to uh, UFT, which for those who don't know, those are universities that are in the city. Um, so you are more likely to be surrounded by people of color, other black people, etc. Like they're probably some of the more diverse universities we have in the country, but it's like, I didn't want to limit myself to that. I also really loved the campus that, you know, one of the things that drew me to the school I went to was the campus. Um, it was gorgeous. Uh, and why should I <laughs> limit my experiences because, you know, I'm not going to see other people who look like me. Um, and the thing is, nothing ever changes if you don't, if you don't go to places, you know, like they're never going to be exposed if you aren't that person who takes that step. So there I was. <laughs> um, but yeah, like all of that to say that I had an amazing uh, undergraduate like university experience. Like don't think that just because I'm sharing these stories um, life was terrible and cruel. Like, to be honest, most of the time I took a lot of those things in stride because as a black person, that's what you do. Um, and it didn't in any way stop me from like enjoying my time. I always say that, uh, university was like some of the best years of my life, but really the they were the best years of my life because of my <laughs> my housemates thank god my 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 other black girl housemates that I lived with like if it weren't for them I don't know that I would be able to say that um and funnily enough like it is it, it's it's it would have oh I don't think it's rare like there were people who from other cultures like there were a lot of international students and stuff and um, people who would come from other countries who would sort of like, they would like room together and whatever. So it's not like what we were doing was that like different or whatever. But still, I think to sort of find other, um, and I like, I think what also made it helpful was like, 
the two of the roommates, at least that I was living with, they were also raised in Canada. So like we had similar experiences. Um, one of my, my housemates, hey, hey girl, because I know she listens sometimes, but she has actually raised in Saskatchewan and we used to make fun of her because it's like, what black people exist in Saskatchewan? <laughs> like, um, but yeah, like, so I just had a, a an amazing um exposure to even like black people who were from other parts of the world not just like the Caribbean um and other parts of Canada etc and like I thought that was really cool but yeah like they honestly were a big part in me being able to survive a predominantly white institution um was like I could come home and I could just breathe and I could share things and just be my full self um and they would understand, you know. Um, so that was that was um, a, a real privilege and benefit. And there are many black people who go to predominantly white schools and don't have that experience or don't have like, you know, the the privilege of being able to like. I not even just live with but like I got along for the most part my myself and my housemates we got along really well like we hung out together like we were really good friends and um so I was just lucky to have that and not everyone not every black person or other person of color who goes to predominantly white schools has that um so I was really lucky in that way so yeah, those are just some of my experiences um, that I talked about that for like a good half hour and I could go on like there's more, <laughs> but those are just some of the things that I experienced on a personal level in terms of like race, uh, racism as I grew up and even into adulthood. Um, and as I mentioned before, I just, I always felt that growing up here was always tricky for me because um, Canada is so is heavily promoted and believed by many to be a melting pot that's accepting and tolerant of all walks of life. And, you know, for me as a black person who's actually experienced it firsthand growing up here, I just, I, I often felt that I couldn't tell those stories, you know, the stories I just shared with you, I couldn't tell them. I couldn't, I couldn't, you know, talk to a black, uh, a white person and be like, Hey, like what you said was actually really shitty because I would get like, what are you talking about? That wasn't racist or just met with more racism. You know what I mean? Um, it was just very, it felt, it could feel very isolating. Um, and, you know, Canada doesn't really discuss, and especially at the time, like, we didn't have those discussions on race and racism and, you know, all of that stuff. Because, again, the country likes to promote itself as it, it's tolerant and accepting. And it's like, just because there are groups of people who live here from other countries and who are of different races it doesn't mean that you're doing the work to actually address their everyday experiences or the systemic um barriers that these people face like you know tolerating is not the same as accepting is not the same as educating yourself is not the same as understanding or attempting to understand 
you know, a different perspective or attempting to understand why you as a white person react the way you do to black people or other people of color or to even acknowledge if a person says that, hey, like that was racist or uh, that wasn't cool. We're not all like blah, blah, blah. Not even attempting to understand your own behaviors or take accountability for those behaviors. It's always met with like defense and um, it's turned back around back on the marginalized person. At least that's how it was in my experience. Um, yeah, so I often felt like, you know, the experiences that I had were just like invalid um, because they were just always met with that attitude of like, yeah, no, we're Canadian. Like we don't do racism. Like we're accepting and it's like, mm, that's not the reality, you know? Um, I think that's changing, that's starting to change a little bit just in terms of, you know, people's level of awareness. Um, there's definitely been more awareness around, like, uh, racism in Canada and even systemic barriers in Canada, etc. But, you know, it's still, there's still a lot to be done, Um yeah. So the other thing I'll say too is, and I've, I've touched on this before, I think in a previous episode, but, you know, um, I often felt like my experiences with racism, the only people who I could really talk to about it were with other black people. And it was usually like other black girls or women, um, like my friends, especially at Queens, like they were always deeply understanding and could relate and share their own stories. And even in high school, like it was always like other black girls who would understand. And I didn't really bring stuff home because to be honest, like, and this is probably a whole other discussion, like with my parents, they're the way that they view race and it's just, and I've mentioned this before, like sometimes the immigrant experience doesn't necessarily line up with the experience of the child of the immigrant who actually is born in Canada and raised in Canada and raised in, in whiteness. Like my parents weren't raised in whiteness. They came to it. So their sense of self, their experiences are just framed differently um, versus mine having to grow up in this kind of system. And I just don't think they could always fully relate or understand my experiences growing up here because they, they didn't, they didn't experience that just as I could never ex uh, understand the full scope of being an immigrant to a new country um, or understand their, their experiences growing up uh, in Guyana type of thing, you know, like I can understand it on an intellectual level, but I could never like truly um, in all ways relate to that. And so I think even in that sometimes, um, I wouldn't tell my parents because I just kind of feel like they just wouldn't understand, you know, whereas like my friends who were going through the same things as I was, they would always understand. Um, and so I often, the only people I would really turn to when I felt like frustrated or whatever, um, if I had gone through like an experience of racism 
or just like a microaggression, like especially the microaggressions, because those things, those microaggressions are so insidious and they're not overt. They're hard to articulate and to explain. And the only other people who would really get it were other black people who grew up here. Um, and they'd be like, yeah, girl, no, it's not just you, you know, like, <laughs> so, um, I found like, I found a lot of, um, uh, I guess relief in being able to have black girlfriends. And that became really important to me as I got older and into adulthood. I actually, to be honest, like my white friends like I didn't have I don't have that many white friends anymore um and a lot of it was just because to be honest I like my black identity is a big part of who I am and if I can't really talk about it or if I feel like I'm always having to educate all the time it gets exhausting and I kind of just got tired of that um and even if they weren't necessarily uh racist or or needed educating it was like their group of friends you know like some ignorant and it's just like I'm I'm kind of (laughs) tired like I just I don't and so I really as I got older into adulthood I really just embraced um my black girlfriends and held them tight even more that's not to say that I don't I'm not friendly with or don't have friends of other races but I in all honesty, um, having a safe space to really just be able to truly be myself and to not feel like I can't share something because, oh, this person's going to feel defensive or is going to react a certain way. Like I just, I got, I got tired of feeling like that. So yeah. Um, that's just my personally (laughs) honest opinion. And again, Everybody, other black people will have different perspectives on that and good for you. But that's just my, that's how I experienced it. Um, Yeah. Um, The other thing too is, uh, you know, as I got older, I started to become more vocal about racism Um, especially on social media, like, and I actually feel like social media allowed me to sort of be more vocal because I, no one could argue me down and, and drown out my voice. You know, it's like I could post something on Facebook, which I'm not really that active on Facebook as much anymore. Um, but when I was more active, it's like I could post my opinion on Facebook and maybe people under the comments might say something, but I've already made my statement, you know, like, whereas like to do it in, in person or to have a conversation, there would never be a conversation because you're just always being like someone's over talking you. And so like, in a, in a way, social media sort of became a space for me to like say all the things that I wanted to say about race. And like, I used to post a lot of stuff on race and racism and all this on, and all that stuff. I don't really do that much anymore just because I kind of feel like, to be honest, the people who need to hear it don't. And <laughs> I'm just sort of like, 
what's the point of this? You know what I mean? I, uh, yeah, like I've just sort of moved away from trying to educate people. I'll still share what I want to share. If like someone has written something and I really like it and I'll, then I'll share it type of thing. But I don't know. I kind of just feel like I'm tired. I'm tired of sort of trying to, um, convince, it's not even convince people or just like offer people a a different perspective or educate them on, you know, on racism and privilege and all those things. Like, I just think, you know, you have to want to do it for yourself. And if you don't, then, you know, I'm not going to be able to convince you to do that. And so, yeah, I'm not wasting my time. And quite frankly, it's not my job to do that. So, yeah, I don't really post, uh, like, stuff on race and anti-blackness and all that stuff as much anymore. But, yeah, there was a period of time where, like, you know, I used to roll through <laughs> extra hard and and, uh, and and speak my piece on that stuff. But, uh, yeah, I've scaled back largely. And also Facebook just... I. I of all the social platforms, it's my least favorite now. Like I, I don't really go on there for much anymore, um, for various reasons, but yeah, like I just, it's not the platform or the forum where I feel like intelligent conversation about certain things can be had. Let's just put it that way. So yeah, I, I don't really do that, but initially I did. Um, I, I was very much like, you know, into speaking up, um, using, using my social media platforms. Um, yeah. And, um, I don't know what else to say. Like those were my, (laughs) yeah, like those are just a few of my personal experiences, maybe coming back with a part three, um, and tying up some loose ends on um, on this topic, um, I'm gonna think about it a little more. This this part just sort of more so delved into like the personal and some storytelling, and I think I want to come back with a part three actually, and like um, tie everything all together. So I I will do that. I don't want to um, take up too much more time uh, on this episode doing that. But yeah, um, thank you guys for, if you made it to the end of this (laughs) episode, good for you. Um, and I will see you in part three. Take care. Bye.